This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here with Steve Alexander on Monday night after we recorded our podcast that you're about to hear some significant injury news in the Grizzlies-Nets game. Grizzlies point guard John Morant went down with what looked to be a significant ankle sprain. Steve, he was taken off in a wheelchair. Yeah, um, he came down on another player's foot. I didn't I didn't get to see who it was. It just happened a couple minutes ago. And uh, hopped off the floor on one foot in obvious pain and collapsed on the floor, started rolling around. It looked like he was crying. Just when you see guys react like that outside of a certain former Boston Celtic, uh, it's usually not a good sign. And and like that former Boston Celtic uh, legend, uh, Ja was taken off in a wheelchair, like you said. And it just, I, I don't have a good feeling in my stomach right now. I, it feels like, you know, Reggie Miller, when he saw somebody get hurt back in the day uh, when he was calling a game on TV, he said, man, that looks like a monther. And uh, that's how I feel about that. And I actually put that on Twitter, except I forgot to put the N in there. So I said, this looks like a mother. <laughs> Probably got some confused replies to that one. <laughs> no, actually, they're like, it's both. It's a mother and it's a monther. Yeah. So obviously, brutal news for the Grizzlies. Brutal news for Grizzlies fans. Brutal news if you drafted John Morant in a fantasy league, Steven. That's what we're here to talk about. This was a waiver wire podcast that you're about to hear. We want to just drop in a quick update to talk about Tyus Jones just for a very quick second here. Tyus Jones started six games for the Grizzlies last year. Steve wasn't great. 8.8 points per game, 6.3 assists per game, 1.0 steals, 0.83s. Now those six games, obviously you're hoping for more. And with that in mind, you look to the year prior when he started 23 games, averaged 10.8 points, 7.5 dimes, 1.5 steals, 0.83s in those 23 starts in 2018-19. So I think if you have Morant, you hopefully already ran to pick up Tyus Jones. You're not going to get John Morant's numbers, but in a best-case scenario, you are getting at least a pretty decent fantasy point guard as a replacement. Yeah, and you know, we said in the blurb that we wrote, like, it's too early to call this. I mean, they, he's out for the rest of this game, but it's possible they could come back, you know, in two days and say, guess what? He's day-to-day, and he's only going to miss a week, and then we're all going to be fine if that's the case. But if he's out for a month or something, you know, like you you and I talked about before we started recording, it's sort of Tyus Jones or bust for the uh, Grizzlies at this point. Now, I, I don't know that Tyus Jones would be better than some of the guys sitting on your waiver wire if you're not in a super deep league, but... If you have somebody to drop and if you want to make an insurance call, Tyus Jones is the way to go there. Yeah, and you raise a good point, Steve, about the injury. I mean, sometimes an ankle injury looks absolutely horrible when it happens and doesn't end up costing the player quite as much time as you think. Sometimes an ankle sprain doesn't look that bad on the court and ends up costing the player a really long time. So, like you said, there's always a chance we get some good news after this. But if you're looking for insurance, Tyus Jones is the place to go. All right, Steve, that's it for our Monday night update. Now let's go to the show.
Hey everyone, Matt Straub welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 29th. Week two of the NBA season is underway. And today we're going to be bringing you our serviceable and intriguing waiver wire pickups. We will look at some rookies, a couple promising second year players making some noise, and some veterans who are once again in the waiver wire conversation. That is all ahead today on the show. Right now, we welcome in my co-host, Steve Alexander. Steve, what's uh, what's happening? I had a birthday on Sunday, and I... I didn't know this. Went out to the old golf course. Nice. And, uh, actually played pretty well. Better than I have been. Didn't have any... Didn't have any blow-up holes. Didn't really lose any balls. But I couldn't make... Uh, I couldn't make short putts is, is what mm. it came down to. And that was, that's been an issue for a while. And it's, it's literally me just choking um, and, and crumbling under the pressure of having to hit a, a three-footer. So I got to work on that. But uh, after, after the golf was over, we, me and the fam went over to the local, local joint and had uh, lunch. And my son looks at his phone. He's like, Dad. And I said, what? He goes... This says the Mavericks are up 77 to 27. And I was like, okay, well, you're 13, and I'm sure that that, I'm sure you're looking at something that's not there. I got my phone out and looked at it, and holy, holy cow. Man, you know I don't miss a Mavericks game. I, I don't. And uh, the whole golf and birthday thing, just, I, I had no idea that game was even happening really at that time. And, uh, yeah, the Mavericks did a number on those uh, Kawhi-less Clippers. I had a similar experience where I was I was torturing myself for about eight hours yesterday watching football in the fantasy championship, which I think I've lost, barring a miracle from Stephon Diggs on Monday night. But I had a moment where I looked up and I was like, "Let me turn on some NBA." And I was like, "Oh, that game is sixty-five to 20. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, "I think that was the score." I was like, "Hmm, that." That can't be right, and uh, indeed it was. <laughs> yeah, so, wild times. Happy birthday, by the way. Hey, thanks, man. Also, uh, before we get dive too hard into this, Jonas, his waiver wired column is up on the site, and that is sort of the companion piece to what we're doing in this podcast. So, if you want to read that, you should because it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Also, our old colleague uh, Greg Rosenthal contacted me a couple days ago and apparently he's a big fan of this podcast and had very nice things to say really and he's trying to get back back into basketball and you know greg used to work at roto world now he's with nfl.com has a huge podcast over there so if anybody knows podcasting it's greg rosenthal so i was i was kind of psyched to hear from greg oh that's awesome greg rosenthal last spotted by you and me at gus's fried chicken at the super bowl a couple of years ago in Atlanta, absolutely. It, we had a we had a little lunch. Uh, you were wearing a baby blue Johnny Collins jersey. Yes, which I wore all day yesterday while again torturing myself watching way too much football. <laughs> painful, just painful. That Falcons that Falcons Chiefs game just completely doomed me, Steve. That was unbelievable. I got out. Uh, I was put out of my misery last week so i did not watch one second of football on sunday and i gotta be honest man it was nice to get a break and it was nice just not to care i get that (laughs) 
it was not nice for me to care. Yeah. So I, right. I get the flip side of that. Yes. Uh, all right, Steve. Well, yeah, as you said, Jonas writes the waiver wired column on Roto World. And like you said, a companion piece, really, and I think will offer a bit of a different perspective because you'll find some overlap between that column and the players that we recommend, but two separate perspectives. So definitely check that out if you're looking for more waiver advice after this on rotoworld.com. Steve, we're going to base this off of roster percentage in Yahoo Leagues. And we're going to make the cutoff 40% rostered. So if a player is rostered in more than 40% of leagues, we will not call him a waiver pickup. I will, however, break this rule immediately and say that DeLon Wright is 43% rostered. He had a big letdown in his opener, then bounced back and had a 19.6 rebound, four assist line with a block and two threes. And we're recording this before Monday night's game against the Hawks, which... I don't want to overstate and call it crucial for DeLon Wright's fantasy value, but in a way it is, right? We've seen him have one dud, one really good game. Whatever he does on Monday night is kind of a big deal for Wright, you know, earning our trust in fantasy leagues. So I think he's worth holding if you haven't dropped him yet. He's worth adding if he got dropped. Do you have any additional thoughts on the headache slash supernova of intrigue that is DeLon Wright? I do. I do. One, Derrick Rose is not playing tonight, so that works in the favor of DeLon Wright. And when I say tonight, I mean yesterday. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. You caught yourself. Yes. So Derek Rose was out on Monday. So we don't know the outcome of that game yet, but that's going to have an impact on DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright and I have already had a tumultuous relationship this fantasy season. He had that huge dud in game one, and that was right after I recorded a video. Like we're doing these minute-long videos you know, hyping players and talking about fantasy basketball. And, and these videos are airing everywhere. And I was sort of all in on DeLon Wright in this video. And then he came out and did absolutely nothing. He did nothing in the preseason. Things were looking a little bleak. And uh, I asked NBC if they could destroy that footage. And they said, no, it's fine. <laughs> and then DeLon Wright turned it around and made me look sort of okay. I do love that when I click, I'm in like my Yahoo Fantasy app and I click on DeLon Wright. It's like, Steve Alexander says why DeLon Wright is an incredible fantasy value this year. Right. You know, I'm in a league with my wife and my child and they'll like click on one of their players. They're like, oh, good Lord. (laughs) Like, we don't get enough of this guy. And now we're just trying to look at our fantasy team and I got dad telling me stuff. That's hilarious. It's bizarre. But I will say about DeLon Wright, I cut the cord pretty quick on him in a couple leagues. But there were guys I really wanted to pick up, and I I had plenty of guards. I I think right now, after he did have the good game, and and we'll see what happened last night, if he did well on Monday, you you definitely want to hang on to him until something bad happens again. I mean, I think this is a sign that, you know, we have hit full stride already for basketball season. DeLon Wright is just completely tormenting us, and I love it. Let's keep it in Detroit for a second. Steve Mason Plumley is 40% rostered, so right on the line of being in this conversation. We talked about his solid opener and his credentials last time out. Heading into Monday night, he didn't have any blocks yet through two games, but through those two games, Plumley was averaging 10.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, and 1.5 steals. So go get him. Those numbers will have been updated after the game against the Hawks. You ready for me to move on, Steve? Do you have an additional Plumley thought, or should we just keep churning? Uh, no, I just wanted to say that props to you for sensing what was coming. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I've uh, it balanced out by me drafting Ricky Rubio in multiple leagues, which <laughs> just has me sleepless. <laughs> Steve, let's talk about 
and injury situation. Carl Anthony Towns, this is according to Adrian Wojnarowski, has been diagnosed with a dislocated left wrist. He'll be reevaluated weekly. Now, there is reportedly, quote, optimism that this will be a relatively short-term absence. Either way, I think if you have Towns on your roster, you need to run and pick up Nas Reed if you haven't already done so. He started in place of Towns on Sunday, 11 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals in 28 minutes. Now, that game was completely out of hand. Lakers won by 36. But Reed was good as a starter last season, 11.7 points, 6.5 boards, 1.2 steals, 1.1 blocks in his 11 starts. So go get Reed if you have Towns. And if you don't have Towns, I think you think about it as well. What are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, and I think Reed should be near the top of the list of guys you're looking at. If nothing else, you know, Cat had that weird injury situation last year where it didn't seem like he was going to miss very many games, and then he was he was gone forever. I hope that we're not looking at something like that again this time. You know, Woj is giving us some hope that this will be a short-term thing, but just in case it's not, I think Reed is worth uh, a speculative grab. Tyrese Halliburton is 40% rostered, has played 30, 26, and 27 minutes in his first three NBA games. He hit double figures in two out of those three and has averaged 9.7 points, 5.0 dimes, 0.7 blocks, and 1.73s. Halliburton was a good defensive stats guy in college, so the 0.7 blocks is pretty interesting. And honestly, Steve, I'm already disappointed I didn't get Halliburton in more of my leagues. I did get him in at least one, but feeling like I've uh, I've missed out on a guy who isn't necessarily going to have huge blow-up games, but I think is a, a really good fantasy glue guy at this point. Yeah, and I think you need to be in a deeper league to be rostering Halliburton. But one interesting thing is his PER, his PER, is over 17, whereas De'Aaron Fox is under 15. Buddy Heald's around 11. Harrison Barnes is around 14. And my guy, Marvin Bagley's at eight. So he's he's really efficient is, is what it comes down to. I read a lot about Halliburton leading up to the draft, partially because the Hawks were one of the teams that was considering taking him in the draft. And basically everything you read was this guy's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily have star potential, but is a guy who's going to make an NBA team better. And I think in fantasy, the same is true. He's not a star in fantasy terms, but he is a guy who can make your roster better. And yeah, as you said, maybe it's better in a deeper league. But I still think even in like a 10-team league, I, I'm considering Halliburton. Ooh. Yo, disagree from you. I don't think in a 10-team league I'm, I'm messing with Halliburton. All right. I well, mean, I just picked up Terry Rozier in that okay. that friends and family, you know, wives and kids league we're in. Sure. When, oh, and the funny thing about that is Jonas and, you know, Knauss and I are all in there. And after... Week one, my wife is winning. My son is like in third place, and Jonas and I are down at the bottom. So, what do we know? Week one, I'll say this before we move on to more waiver wire pickups. Week one, I think it's easy to panic. You had an off week. Don't. You know, that was a weird week. You know, you got some players missing games. You had the Houston OKC game canceled. You had guys like Clint Capella missing games. It's just, it was a weird week. If you had a rough week, you don't necessarily need to blow up your fantasy roster. Do not panic yet on that note matt in our 30 team league i lost both of my games by a score of four to five and i had christian wood missing that okc game that got postponed and i lost rebounds in both of those matchups by less than 10 ouch painful 
several leagues, I had Christian Wood and SGA all ready to go in that game, and that ruins the entire week, or at least it did for me. Yeah, and look, it's something that we may have to be dealing with throughout this season. So that was tough luck. But by the way, both those guys looked fantastic in the one game they got in. They did. They did. All right, Steve. Serviceable and intriguing waiver wire all-star Alfred Payton had two horrible (laughs) games, then went off for 27 points, seven dimes, and three three three-pointers on Sunday in a blowout win over the Bucs. What? Well, yes. What? That in a blowout what over the Bucks? Are you taking the bait here, Steve? I, I swear we may have talked about Alfred Payton more times than we talked about Emmanuel Moutier last year. 38% rostered for Alfred Payton. One big game, two bad ones. What do you think? You know, I need to start favoriting tweets when I see them, and that way I can go back and reference them later because... Somebody was bashing Alfred Payton after the first game, the the super dud that he had. Was like, disinterested, <laughs> doesn't care. Just every, they were being so mean to him. And I think it was the Saturday 0 for 6, 0 points blowout loss to Philly that that was uh, attributed to. But then he bounces back against the Bucks, Like you said, 27.7 assists. Three threes. Looks like a new guy. Shoots lights out. Looks like a completely different player uh, than what we saw the 24 hours earlier. That's Alfred Payton, the serviceable and intriguing all-star in a nutshell, Matt, really. Yeah, I know. I'm inclined to not go in on this one, Steve. If I've got a guy at the end of my bench, say a Hassan Whiteside, who apparently Mm. has been brought to Sacramento to play 10 minutes a night. Hassan Whiteside's not the right call because you really don't want to probably give up on him already, although I did in a league yesterday. Uh, but if you got a guy, Kieran Deadweight, at the end of the bench and you want to take a flyer on Alfred Payton to see how this week goes, I'm, I'm all for that. All right. I can buy into that. Flyer. DeAndre Hunter is 38% rostered. He looked improved in the preseason, was kind of quiet in the easy opening win over Chicago for the Hawks, but he came out with a big stat line on Saturday evening against memphis 15 points 11 rebounds three assists two blocks and two threes in 35 minutes it's worth noting that the hawks were shorthanded with no danilo gallinari in that game and no clint capella but hunter to me looks like he's worth rostering the big questions in his stat line last year were i mean mostly defensive stats really that's what was really missing he had one of those blocks was really nice swatted a shot out of bounds Hunter looks like a more confident player this year. I don't know that we're going to see a lot of 11 rebound games, but again, a guy who's at least worth rostering to see where this is going. Yeah, I like him too. And he was supposed to be a, a what, 3 and D guy and not really be a big offensive threat when he yeah. came out of college, but he scored in double figures in both of the Hawks games. And granted, like you said, Gallinari missed Saturday's game, but I do like the way DeAndre Hunter looks out there he he does look confident he does look like he wants the ball he looks like he's got a nose for the ball i just feel like there's a lot of uh, good things happening there with him cam reddish and kevin herter like all three of those guys if they're sitting out there you should think about going to get them yeah herter got crazy hot in that saturday game i don't know that that's going to happen all the time but that was a big game from him the thing about hunter is yeah like you said he was supposed to be a three and d guy he looks like a more polished offensive player than anything at this point. And the question for me remains the defense. I'm not going to go overboard just because he had a two-block game. But it's a good start in that department. And speaking of 
defensive stats, Kyle Anderson is 34% rostered. He's a player we mentioned on our most recent podcast last week. He had a huge second game against Atlanta in that same game where DeAndre Hunter played well. For Anderson, 20 points, 14 rebounds, two blocks, two threes. His nickname is Slow Mo, and he is so slow, Steve. <laughs> but he he looks like he's ready to produce right now, playing another guy playing with a lot of confidence. He has a significant role for Memphis. I think it's partially the Hawks effect where you know, they're still not that good of a defensive team, I don't think, and random wings like Anderson will go off. But Anderson had 10 rebounds in the opener, and I like what I'm seeing at him. I think he needs to be picked up. Yeah, and I, it's funny that you uh, put him on this list because I, I did go pick him up after that game against the Hawks when he played so well. But, he, you know, the game before that against the Spurs, he played 29 minutes, uh, didn't shoot it very well, really didn't do a whole lot of anything in that, in that game. But watching that Memphis team play against Atlanta and seeing how bad Brandon Clark looks, you just have to think that until Jaron Jackson Jr. gets back, the slow-mo... Kyle Anderson is going to be a big part of what they're doing over there. Agreed. And he was coming off a strong preseason where he shot it pretty well also. So this isn't entirely out of nowhere. Let's talk about another rookie here, Steve. Patrick Williams, 27% rostered, had that strong debut with 16 points versus the Hawks. He followed that up, though, with nine points and six points in his next two games. So that's not great. But on the plus side, he does have four blocks in three games so far which is why I'm inclined to call him a hold in fantasy leagues for now. But I think if you're in one of the aforementioned shallower leagues, I think you could probably drop Williams. What are your thoughts on the rookie? Yeah, you know, Matt, Williams to me is, I, I love the way he plays. I like the way he looks on the court. Like it, it looks like all the pieces are there. I just don't know if he's going to put it all together this season or not. Like, you watch Wiseman play on the Warriors, and that guy just looks like he's going to be a fantasy monster tomorrow or today, whenever. Uh, whereas yeah. Williams is just sort of blending into the crowd. And we actually saw Wendell Carter Jr. bust out Sunday. We saw Kobe White play better on Sunday. Zach Levine went nuts on Sunday. And with all those things going on in Chicago, I just worry a little bit about Williams really taking a step step forward so like you said deeper league go get him all day but if you're sitting on him and you're looking at your waiver wire and there's like four guys where you're like man i really wish i could get one of them but i don't have anybody to cut you know williams may be the guy uh shifting now to san antonio steve lonnie walker is 22 percent rostered he's had three games all in double digits averaging 15 points per game four boards 0.7 blocks and 3.03s Derek White is reportedly expected to debut soon, which makes me a little concerned that Walker won't be a season-long phenomenon, but I still like him as a pickup. The Derek White thing is interesting because it says he will be back soon, and by soon I think it's going to happen this week. And then things like Patty Mills' 21-point explosion, not missing any shots, that's going to go away. Walker or Johnson, they're going to take a hit when White's back. So, And it's also going to hurt DeJounte Murray a little bit, possibly. Yeah, Keldon Johnson has been really good, by the way. 14 points per game, 8.3 boards, 2.7 dimes, 1.7 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.03s. Definitely prefer him to Lonnie Walker, but Lonnie Walker rostered in less leagues, which is why I mentioned him. 
Let's transition to Oklahoma City, Steve. Lugans Dort is 21% rostered. He had a very intriguing stat line in Oklahoma City's opener. 15 points, 5 rebounds, 2 dimes, 1 steal, 1 block, 1 3. For a little background, Dort had a a notable stretch in the bubble in early August. There was a 5-game stretch there where he put up 11.4 points, 4.6 boards, 1.2 steals, 1.43s. He did only shoot 36.5% during that same stretch for full disclosure. I mean, the bottom line, Steve, is Oklahoma City's going young. Dort got a lot of minutes in the opener, I believe 35. I've added him in a few leagues. They're deeper leagues. And, you know, obviously he was playing on Monday. And if he was bad in that game, I definitely dropped him. And if he was good on Monday, I am officially excited about him. What are your thoughts on Dort? Yeah, I like him. Dort is starting a small forward. We've had a George Hill sighting. I know OKC is going young. But George Hill scored 21 points in that game, which was interesting. But they're they're playing Dort. Uh, the 35 minutes was very encouraging. The 15 points were encouraging. I don't think he's a guy you must go out and pick up right now. But I think he makes sense in a lot of situations. Yeah, and if you hadn't thought about Dort and you're hearing this right now, go back and check that Monday night box score and see what Dort did. Because if it was indeed a dud on Monday night we are are much less excited, as I said. So it's worth checking on that because some of his value hangs in the balance with what happened on Monday night. And you mentioned, Steve, that we have had a George Hill sighting. That's the next name on my list. He's rostered in 19% of Yahoo leagues as of this recording and put up 21 points in 24 minutes of Oklahoma City's opener, added four rebounds, three assists. Hill's 34, so I'm not going overboard with excitement at this point. He was sitting out there in a deeper league when I was checking this morning, and I couldn't bring myself to pick him up. But I get it if you really need a guard and you want to do it. Yeah, I'm sort of with you on George Hill. Let me see another game from him before we go crazy here, because he is George Hill. He is not a spring chicken anymore. But it is interesting that I believe he started that game for the Thunder at shooting guard. And if that's going to continue to happen, he could go off. So let's just monitor George Hill for another game or two. And if he if he does it a couple more times, then go get him. George Hill's serviceable, not intriguing. <laughs> uh, are you up against the clock to get your waiver claims in? Or maybe you can't decide who to start as tip-off approaches. Well, save time and make the best decisions with our all-new NBA League Sync tool. League Sync pulls in all of your team and league info from Yahoo to show you who the best available players are on the wire, who you should start, who you should bench, and much more. Let League Sync do all the work, and you can take all of the glory. Get League Sync, our DFS tools, and our draft and season tools as part of the Edge Plus Pro Tier. Go to rotoworld.com edge for more and use promo code NBAPOD10. For $10 off any annual premium package. Steve, a few names here to rip through. Maybe we'll do this quick hitting style with these next run of names. And then we'll talk about a few players we might want to drop. Josh Hart, perennial waiver wire sensation Josh Hart is 17% rostered. He had 12 points in back-to-back games for the Pelicans. Averaging 10 points, 8 boards, 1.0 steals, 1.3 threes through his first three games, which is classic Josh Hart. It looks like Stan Van Gundy likes him. He's averaging 30 minutes per game so far. I like him in deeper leagues. You know, not a big ceiling guy, but a a pretty good floor for Josh Hart. Yeah, you know, Josh Hart's one of those guys that suckers me in every every single season. I'm like, this is the year that Josh Hart 
is really going to make a splash yeah. and and go crazy. And it just never, ever seems to materialize. So uh, I have not moved on Josh Hart as of yet. But because he is Josh Hart and because I am who I am, I'm sure that he will end up on some of my teams in the in the near future, whether I mean to or not. I will not say I'm excited about this next name. I will just tell you the information. Bismack Biombo is 12% rostered. Cody Zeller is out. And if you need blocks, Biombo had averaged 1.3 blocks through his first three games. I have him in the 30-team league, Steve. I don't think I would add him anywhere else, maybe in like a 16-team league if you're really desperate for blocks. But this is, I think, a pretty deep cut. Do you agree? It is a deep cut, but if you look at what Hassan Whiteside is doing... Bismack doesn't look bad at all. <laughs> so, I, I I don't know, man. Um, if I needed a center, if I only had two centers and I, I needed a third one, I would f- probably flip a coin between Nas Reed and Bismack and go out there and get one of them. Steve, Derek Jones Jr. is 9% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He has not done much of anything yet, but he did play 36 minutes in the Blazers' second game, a much closer game for them in their second game. He only had six points, six boards, but did add a steal and a block. I I haven't dropped him yet in the leagues where I have him, and he's staying on my watch list because 36 minutes for Derrick Jones Jr. is very notable to me, even if the offense hasn't showed up yet. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, on Saturday against the Rockets, he had five personal fouls and still played 36 minutes. That The Blazers are just rolling their starters out there and letting them rip. So that's bad news for Gary Trent Jr., mm-hmm. who I – Jared, again, got me on that. He got me all excited about Gary Trent Jr., and he offered me Ricky Rubio for Trent Jr. in the, the Roto World video league even before the season started. That's how, that's how pumped he was about Gary Trent Jr. And, of course, I'm like, oh, man – Jared must know something that I don't. I'm I'm going to go all in on Gary Trent Jr. Uh, so, yes, six minutes for him. But Derrick Jones Jr., sort of the same thing. I mean, I, I drafted him in several leagues. I've still got him on several rosters. He's on the bench for me in almost all those leagues. But, you know, it'll be interesting because we're in the midst of a four-game week for the Blazers right now. And... All it will take is two big games at Derrick Jones Jr. to, to turn everything around. So let, let's see what happens. You know, Robert Covington has been terrible. Uh, Kelly Oubre has really struggled. And those guys, we know, will get it turned around. So there, there is hope for Derrick Jones Jr. Yeah, and Covington was had an absolutely brutal opening game. He was better in his second game. Nothing thrilling in game two for Covington, but... Nine points, eight boards, two steals, and a block with a three in 38 minutes. So a step in the right direction for Covington. I think we'll be putting up vintage Covington numbers probably in short order here. I think if if you drafted uh, Robert Covington and you get a block and two steals and a three-pointer every night, I don't think the rest of it really matters that much. Yeah, that's the main reason you're drafting him. And yeah, he averaged a dozen, like about points? a dozen points, 12 and a half points a game last season. So... That's really the blueprint, though. 1.6 deals, 1.3 blocks, 2.33 pointers. That's what you want out of Covington. And some rebounds. Yep. Uh, Cameron Johnson of the Suns is just 9% rostered. He went off for 21 points in just 21 minutes on Sunday. I have not run to add him anywhere, Steve, but another guy who is on my radar. Any thoughts on Cam Johnson before we talk about some guys to potentially drop? Well, it's funny, speaking of of dropping guys, I had Cam Johnson on a a team— and he pulled that 
three for ten, eight points, two rebounds stunt on Saturday. So I dropped him. And of course, to celebrate my birthday and the dropping of him, he hit seven of nine shots, three three-pointers, and scored 21 points. Luckily, he didn't do anything else, really. So yeah, I'm not remorseful for dropping Cam Johnson. He's a guy that you just want to keep an eye on. And if he starts piling up numbers, he should be sitting out there to, to go grab. Steve, let's talk quickly about some potential drop candidates or players who are just kind of also right on the line of adding and dropping. Aaron Baines is 33% rostered. And on the one hand, he did average 12 points, eight rebounds, and one three-pointer in his first two games for Toronto. No defensive stats, though, for him yet. And to me, he's more of a deeper league guy because he is not a guy who we really expect to get enough blocks to be a difference maker there. I mean, if Baines was even a one block per game player, I'd be a lot more excited about him. Yeah, the lack of blocks is very concerning. And there is a gentleman coming off the Toronto bench named Chris Boucher. Yes, I've heard the name. Who went bananas on Saturday. 22 points, 10 boards, 7 blocks, 3 threes. That is going to be an issue for Aaron Baines, I think. And I think they're going to keep starting Aaron Baines. But like you said, Baines is going to hit you some threes occasionally. He's going to be decent in points, decent in rebounds. But you add in the lack of blocks, like none, and he he becomes pretty tricky uh, at that point. Matt, would you rather roster Aaron Baines or Nas right now. Nas Reed, definitely. I, I would really yeah. rather roster anyone than Aaron Bates. Anyone that we're talking <laughs> anyone that we're, we're about talking George about. And I, and I don't mean that <laughs> I don't mean that there's no league where you should have Aaron Baines on your roster, because I do think there are leagues that are deep enough where he should. But again, just if he got more blocks, I mean last season he averaged zero point nine blocks per thirty six minutes. That's just not enough. So the stat line just rings a little hollow for me. A points, rebounds, and threes guy not explosive in any of those categories. And granted, Aaron Baines will go off occasionally. We saw it last year. But outside of a real deep league, I'm just not interested, is my thesis statement here. With you. Denny Avdia is 28% rostered. Steve, the rookie had a strong game. Well, strong game, good game, interesting game, notable game with Russell Westbrook resting on Sunday. Nine points, nine boards, three dimes, two steals, and a three. I think he shot just four of 11, though. And the game before that, he only got 15 minutes. So... It's already a bit tumultuous with Avdia. Are you hanging on to the rookie still? We had him as as a, a roster hold last time we talked, but has that math changed for you? You know, it's interesting. I don't have him anywhere, and I like the minutes he's getting. I think that 15-minute game, he was in real early foul trouble and things were going haywire, so that wasn't too concerning. But what is concerning to me is he's getting all these minutes, and he's really young, and he's a good player. I mean, he looks he looks like he can play. He looks good on the court. But Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook and Thomas Bryant and these guys that are need the ball in their hands all the time, it seems like Denny's out there just to be a glue guy to hold everything together. So I, don't, I just don't know that the fantasy numbers are going to be there anytime soon. He's sort of in the same boat as, as Patrick Williams. I think Williams probably has a little easier path to fantasy success than Denny does right now. I still think he's a hold, but I'm not really sad that I don't have him anywhere. Nicholas Batum is now 27% rostered. He had a big second game on Christmas Day for the Clippers. 13 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. Two three-pointers in 36 minutes. That looks quite a bit like vintage Batum. The problem is 
Before that, he, he scored three points in 28 minutes. The game after that, he scored four points in 22 minutes. Batum, the past few years, has really been un- unable to score. He's now 32 years old. Basically, he's got a best-case scenario going right now with Marcus Morris out, and he's producing 6.7 points, 7.3 boards, 3.7 assists, 1.0 steals, 1.03s. It's just, Steve, I don't think there's enough here for Batum to be you know, a standard league fantasy option because we're seeing the best-case scenario, and he's averaging under seven points per game. This is all true, Matt, but let's take a closer look at this because the first game... On the 22nd, he only scored three points, which you glossed over and and moved on to the next game. You failed to mention that in that same game, he hit a three, he had six boards, he had six assists, and he had two steals. So there were things going on there that were were very good. The three points was not one of them. Then on Friday is when he blew up. He had the 13-10-4-1-1-2 game. That's when everybody woke up and was like, ooh, I need to go pick up Nick Batum. And, you know, I picked him up in a couple leagues myself. Uh, He's starting for the Clippers. Nobody really thought he was going to make an impact for the Clippers. And then Kawhi Leonard almost got his head taken off by Serge Ibaka's elbow. And now Kawhi is day-to-day. We don't know how much he's going to play in the upcoming week. And that helps Nick Batum. And the game that was sort of trash on Sunday when he had four points and six boards, was when the Clippers found themselves down 77-27 to at halftime. So to me, the jury is still out on Nick Batum. I'm different than you on him, I think, because I'm more interested to see where this is going to go and if he can keep the starting job for the Clippers all year. I think he could have a return to form, even though he's he's an old guy. All right. I like your angle on it as well. I'm Consider me skeptical that this is a guy who seems to have lost his scoring touch. You know, he averaged 9.3 points per game in 2018-19 when he was playing 31 minutes per game. That was two years ago. I just don't see it. He, he had a really good run. I think he's passed it, and I think the 13-point game probably was the outlier, but I understand why you'd pick him up and see what happens. I feel like Batum is... Somewhat serviceable and intriguing, both both things. Whereas I think you are more like he is sort of maybe a little intriguing. <laughs> it's funny that I didn't think our biggest disagreement on this on this episode would be Nick Batum, but here we are. <laughs> we are fighting about Nick Batum three games into the season. Shake Milton is the last name I've got on my list, Steve. He had a big opener with 19 points, but really didn't do anything in the next two games with his minutes in the low 20s in both games. He's 25% rostered as of this taping. Are you dropping Shake for an interesting free agent? Uh, I would be, yes. Shake is another guy that Jared was very excited about coming in. He was writing uh, Shake Milton fan club blurbs and things like that like he was all about shake and I I jumped on the shake train last season when the whole hey we're gonna make shake our point guard and Ben Simmons is gonna play off the ball at power forward I got excited I was like oh you know a free starting point guard off the waiver wire let me go get him and you know there are those waiver wire point guards throughout history that are starters in name only, and they really come with a lot of empty stats and and just low numbers. And I I still have some faith that Shake can get it turned around, but 
I hope. Dude, who's the guy I'm trying to think of? Their super boring point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the day. There was a dude that started at point guard. Aaron. His name is Aaron. And Aaron for the Cavs? Was his name Aaron? He's been on a reality show. He's been in the NBA TV booth some. Drew? (sighs) Drew. Oh my gosh, I'm going to figure this out. Okay, let me just finish. No, 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 I'm looking. Hold on. Andre Miller? No. No. Brevin Knight? I can see this. No, I can see this guy's face, though. Who could you be talking about? And he's just... Eric Snow? Yes. Is that who you're talking about? I think so, yeah. Yeah. He started for them for like three years. Eric Snow years. had some good years with Philly, too. Now i got to pull this up. Wow, I did not think we were going to have your Eric Snow's name on this episode. Was it Eric Snow? I'm going to see a picture of him. He played for the Cavs at the end of his career, though. He was best for Philly. Yep. Let's let me have a look at the Oh yeah, that's him. Eric Snow. Yes, that's what I'm going with. Okay, that's so what I'm going with. You know, he played for Cleveland. Towards the end of his career, he started every single game. He was a starting point guard in the NBA. Uh back then I was kind of brand new to Roto World, probably, I'm guessing, in that time frame. And I st- still didn't fully know what I was doing. I was like, oh, Eric Snow's a starting point guard. His numbers were ridiculous he and he was boring he was boring to watch he he just didn't do anything except control the ball he was sort of like one of those quarterbacks who never throws a pick but they're so conservative that the offense can't move so game manager yeah hopefully that's not where shake is headed (laughs) but we'll find out (laughs) i'm so happy that we got an eric snow mentioned in here shout out to eric snow 2002 03 season when some of us were actually playing fantasy hoops in those days, even uh, twelve point nine. Some of us were working at Roto World. Twelve point nine points, six point six times, one point six steals. He was uh, Allen Iver shared the backcourt with Allen Iverson. He had a couple decent seasons. Did not hit three pointers though. Yeah, Eric Snow. Wow, I, did, I didn't think that that name was going to come up, but I'm pretty happy it did. <laughs> well, that's about going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a moment to rate and review us as well. We're here every Tuesday and Friday throughout the season. Tuesday, we're talking waivers. Friday, some season-long trends and some DFS as well. Thanks to all of you for listening. Happy almost New Year. We will talk to you soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.